Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord, for today as we are gathered here. We pray that our lives will never be the same. Lord, speak to us. Open our heart to receive your word. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you want victory for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Like I, I started saying that there are so many arguments when it comes to Easter celebration and even when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some people, you know, eyewitness account. When you go to court and there's an eyewitness, that is a very, the lawyers will say that's like a very solid uh, testimony, right? Like if there's, a, uh, there's an eyewitness to bear witness to whatever happened, say, I saw it happen. That is a very strong testimony. Or it's a very strong um, evidence when you, when, you, when you come to court. And so the people who wrote about the life of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, these people were eyewitnesses. They were people who saw Jesus Christ. They were people who lived with him. They were people who walked with him. And so a lot of people have tried to discredit their, their, um, their um, evidence or their, 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 their um, account of the life of Jesus Christ. Some people have even said that the people who saw Jesus Christ after he resurrected were hallucinating. And so let's assume that it's true that the two people who saw Jesus Christ, the two people who saw, the two women who saw Jesus Christ, let's assume that it's true that they were hallucinating at the same time. It started at the same time. Let's assume that it's true. And the two people who walked with Jesus Christ, on the on, on um, the way to Emmanuel, they walked with him. They spoke to him. They ate with him. Let's assume that is also true. And he appeared to the twelve people. They all saw him at the same time. Can we say that twelve people can hallucinate at the same time and see the same visions at the same time? And even the Book of Corinthians tells us that over five hundred people saw him at the same time. And so this, are, this is like an evidence that you cannot discredit. Eyewitnesses, people saw him. And at the time that Paul was writing the book of Corinthians, Paul, Paul said that so many of those people were still alive at that time. And so they could verify what Paul was saying. And so the story of Jesus Christ is not a myth. It's not like, it's not a story that somebody sat down to write. In fact, when you read the Bible, I always say that when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there is no way you can say that the Bible is an ordinary book because the Bible was written by so many people who lived in different dispensations, who had different occupations. Some of them were fishermen, some of them were prophets, some of them were doctors, some of them were illiterate, some of them had not been to school. But they wrote the same, that's what, when you put the, the, uh, the books together, it tells the same story. It cannot be coincidence and it cannot be somebody's imagination so people who discredit the bible and say that oh the bible was written to deceive people or to put people under bondage doesn't make sense because when you really take time to study the bible you won't come to that conclusion and so let's know that when we talk about the resurrection of jesus christ it's not a myth it's not something somebody it's not a story that somebody created but it happened and the empty tomb is there to testify to the fact that Jesus Christ lived. Today, I just want to talk about go tell. I was really struggling to, to get a message. I, I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to talk about the resurrection 
But then I believe God laid this on my heart this morning to share with you. And the title is Go Tell. Go Tell. We all have a simple assignment to go tell the world about Jesus Christ. What do we know about him? What we have heard about him? What we have seen about him? All of us have a simple assignment to go tell the world. I believe that one of the greatest reasons why we are all alive today is to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Because everything that we are spending our lives on here on earth has no value for eternity. I know that all of us probably are, all of us are professionals. We have our um, nine to five jobs. We have whatever jobs that we are doing. But all those things have no value in eternity. The only thing that has value in eternity is our service to God. So all of us have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus Christ. The Great Commission was not to pastors. It was not to the 12 apostles. It was to everyone who would come and believe. Go tell. It's an assignment for all of us to tell our world the world that you live in, the people in your community, the people around you, the people that you interact with, it is your responsibility to tell them about Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 8, 28, verse 1 to 10. The Bible says that now, after the Sabbath, as, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, when you read the account of Luke, I think, Luke tells us that they came there and they brought spices to preserve the body of Jesus Christ. And that reminds me, whenever I read that part, it reminds me of the alabaster box that was poured on the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says that that was to prepare him for his burial. When the people came to embalm his body, it was too late. But somebody had already done it and burned his body even before he died. But do you remember that there were people who were trying to stop the woman from pouring the alabaster box? But she, she did something that when these people came, they didn't have the opportunity to do to the body of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ said that everywhere the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be mentioned as a memorial to her. And so be mindful of what pe when people try to stop you in your service to God. It might be the only moment that you have to do that. It might be your only opportunity to do something. If this one had listened to the people and she did not pour the alabaster box on the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus would never have received all the spices or whatever that they use in those days to embalm people when they are dead. They came the next day. They came on the Sabbath day because it was the Saturday. They couldn't do anything because it was Sabbath day. They came after the Sabbath day the next morning to come and embalm the body of Jesus. But it was too late. And so whatever God has laid on your heart to do, don't wait. You don't know when it will be too late for you. When they came, it was too late. But somebody had done it even before Jesus Christ died. They criticized her. They wanted to stop it. Some of even some of the religious people, the apostles said that we could have sold this and given it to the poor. But the woman caught the moment and obeyed the voice of God in that moment. 
And so let's know that when God lays something on your heart, don't, don't think to yourself that, oh, I have 10 years, I have 15 years. When I grow old, let me enjoy my life. When I grow old, then I'll respond to the call. It might be too late. When you hear God calling you, just move, obey, do what he's telling you. Amen. Amen. So the Bible said, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his cloth was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before them, before you into Galilee, that you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so the assignment of the angels, angel was tell those women that, look, you are looking for Jesus Christ, but he's not here. He's risen. Now, he said, go and tell Go and tell the disciples. So everyone who encountered the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the simple instruction they received was go and tell others. And as people who know Jesus Christ, as people who have heard about Jesus Christ, we have a simple assignment and a simple responsibility to go and tell other people. I know that the world that we live in today makes it difficult to share our faith. But the Lord has told us that if we are ashamed of him in the presence of man, he will be ashamed of us in the presence of his father when we appear in the glory. And so all of us must make it a point that we tell other people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a few things that makes the, the, the resurrection of Jesus very important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, first of all, proves to us that Jesus won victory over death and Satan. If Jesus had not resurrected, we, those who believe in him, will have no hope. We'll still be under the bondage of sin. We will not have deliverance from sin. But because he resurrected, we know that we have deliverance, we have salvation from sin. We know that Satan cannot defeat us. We know that Satan could not defeat Jesus Christ, and therefore he cannot defeat us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, the Bible says, Whom God raised, having loosed the pains of death, because it was impossible that it should be held, that he should be held by it. The Bible says that it was impossible that death could, should hold down Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that we have to note is that when Jesus Christ died, the devil thought that that was it. He had gotten us where he wanted. He had gotten Jesus where he wanted him. Jesus is dead. 
And so he brought his forces, all the demonic forces together to make sure that Jesus will not resurrect. And they all came together to keep him in the grave. But the Bible says that it was not possible. It was impossible for death to hold him down. It was impossible for Satan to hold him down. Jesus won the victory. And so when he came out, he said, all authority has been given to me. The authority that Adam handed over to Satan, it has been given unto me. And so Jesus Christ had all authority. By his obedience, he had all authority in heaven. By his obedience on earth, he had all authority on earth. In the end, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father. But until now, until, until then, Jesus Christ has all authority. And that is why the Bible says that therefore God has given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow, both in heaven and on earth. God has given him authority over everything that he created. And in the end, Jesus is going to hand over the authority back to the Father. When you read Revelations, Jesus Christ becomes the king of kings. There will be no other kingdom. Every kingdom will be subjected to Jesus Christ. And he will hand over the authority to his Father. So now, Jesus Christ has won victory over um, sin, has won victory over death and Satan. The second point, the importance of his resurrection, is that Jesus assured his, he, the followers of Jesus Christ are assured of resurrecting one day. Can you imagine somebody who promised you that you are going to resurrect one day and the person died and the person never resurrected? Where is your hope? If the one who promised you, I remember when I was young, I read a book, the title of the book is The Cloth of Nakedness. So if somebody who is naked promise, promise that's a storybook, that if somebody who is naked promised that he's going to give you a cloth, <laughs> that is a fake promise. You know that it's not come to pass because the person himself is naked, doesn't have a cloth. I think it's an African proverb. It was one of those African writers, the cloth of nakedness. But if Jesus promised us resurrection and he died and resurrected, then we know and we have hope. Our hope is not limited to this world only. The Bible says if in this, it is in this world only that we have hope, then we are among men the most miserable. And so our hope is not limited to what we see on earth today. Our hope is not limited to this life alone. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that one day when we die, we have hope. If the man who promised us eternal life never resurrected from the dead, if the man who promised us eternal life was not able to come back alive when he died, then our hope of eternal life is it's, it's useless. But because he died, I, there was a prophet, a prophet who has a lot of followers, died, and I understand that his body was eaten by pigs. Yet his followers have hope of heaven or of eternity that one day they are going to meet their prophet again but the good thing about jesus christ is when he died he resurrected and that is why a lot of people have tried to discredit his resurrection but he has proved so many by so many signs that he truly resurrected and paul said i was the last to see him paul also saw jesus christ he encountered him when he heard his voice 
and all of us in our lives, we can tell, we can testify that Jesus is alive by the things that he has done in our lives. We can testify that he's alive. Amen. And so Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ are assured of the resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. Being the firstborn means that there are others who will come back from the dead. Now, when the Bible says that he's the firstborn from the dead, it doesn't mean that he's the first person to die and resurrect. Because we read from the Bible that there were people who died and people, the prophets prayed for them and they came back to life. Even in the ministry of Jesus Christ, when he walked to the tomb of Lazarus, he called out his name and he came back to life. But the type of resurrection that Jesus Christ experienced, he was the first person to experience that type of resurrection. And that's why he's the firstborn from the dead. And one day we are also going to resurrect after the nature of Jesus Christ. The second point. He received all authority when he resurrected from the dead. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18. Jesus Christ said, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When he resurrected, oh, thank you. So you see the whole slider. <laughs> uh, right, let me fix this quickly. When Jesus Christ resurrected, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And because of that, he told his disciples to go out and preach to the whole world. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them authority. He gave them dominion. But when they obeyed Satan, they handed over the dominion to Satan. And that is why when Satan tested Jesus Christ, when he came to test Jesus Christ, he said, I will give all this kingdom to you if you bow down and worship me. He had that kingdom at that time, but he doesn't have it now. For everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, Satan does not have power over you. Satan does not have dominion over you. For the people who still live in disobedience, he can manipulate their lives. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, know that sin has no power over you. Satan has no power over you. Jesus Christ said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, some people argue that if the Father is in heaven, why does Jesus Christ have all authority? The Father gave him all authority. And you should know that the Trinity, they are not in competition. It's not like the Father wants, oh, you're only praising Jesus Christ, so the Father is envious. Or you're only praying, um, praising the Holy Spirit or talking about the Holy Spirit, so the Father... No, they work together in unity. They dwell together in unity. They are not in competition. And the Father gave all authorities to Jesus Christ. In Revelations, we see that Jesus Christ hands over the authority back to the Father. The next, thing, the next reason why it's, the resurrection is important is that it validates the teaching of Jesus Christ. Every, it, it, it confirms the fact that everything he has said about himself is true. Like I said the other time, 
Imagine these disciples who had lived with Jesus Christ, walked with him, they ate with him, they saw him when he was crucified, they saw him when he was buried, and, and then they met him in Galilee, and they saw this man going up, lifted up into the sky, and he went up until he was covered by the clouds. What else are you going to tell these disciples that this man is not God? They knew that they had encountered God. Because they saw him with their eyes as he went into the sky and he was covered by the clouds. And so these disciples were fully convinced that Jesus Christ is God. So they went everywhere preaching because they had seen him go into heaven. They saw his earthly ministry and they saw him go into heaven. And so nothing could confuse them. Nothing could move their faith because they saw with their own eyes. And that's why when Peter was writing, he said, what we have seen, what we have handled, what we have touched, it is what we are telling you. I think it's John instead. John rather. He said, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have touched, is what we are testifying about. So this eyewitness account is very important for our, for our faith as believers. And that is why the Gospels are so important. That's why the account of Matthew is important. The account of Luke is important. The account of Mark is important. Because these people were eyewitnesses. They saw the account of John. These were people who spent time with Jesus Christ. They saw him. The next thing is that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ empowers us to testify about him. When the apostles saw Jesus Christ, they saw him resurrect. They went everywhere. Even when they were being intimidated, when they were being told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ, that could not deter them. They had the boldness to preach because they had seen the Messiah die. They had seen the Messiah resurrect. And he has promised them resurrection that when they die, they, can, they will also resurrect. The reason why people are able to give their lives for the gospel is because they have hope of eternity. It's because they have hope that they are going to resurrect. It's because they have hope that the master that they are following has the keys to life. And that is why people can lay down their lives. Because Jesus Christ set the example first. He went ahead of us and laid down his life for us. And so whatever you do for, Jesus, for the name of Jesus Christ, know that first of all, he paid the ultimate price by laying down his life for you. What can you do for him that is too difficult? Because he did the most for us by laying down his life. None of us have gotten to the point where we have to lay down our lives. But if we do get to that point, let's be willing to lay down our lives. Because some people have gone before us and they were able to lay down their lives. I remember I heard the, the story of missionaries who, went into, missionaries who went into Africa 21 years, 19 years. These people were very young people who went to preach the gospel in Africa. At that time, they didn't have a cure for malaria. And there were mosquitoes in Africa. And when they were about to get into the ship, they told, somebody asked them, do you know that you are going to die where you are going? The guy said, his answer was that, I, I am already dead. I died to myself when I accepted Jesus Christ. Some of them came to Africa and they preached for one week. And they died. They, they contracted malaria. They died. Just one week. But they were able to impact lives. 
they were able to give their lives. 21-year-old people, young man, had his whole life ahead of him. But what could inspire a person like that to go and preach the gospel, even if he knows he's going to die? We live in a situation where the conditions are so good for us to preach the gospel. No matter how difficult we, we, it looks like, the conditions are better than the people who came ahead of us. So we have no excuse not to tell other people. We have no excuse not to preach to other people. Go tell the world about Jesus Christ. Tell your world. The people that you have conversations with, the people that you communicate with, the people that you have fun with, the people that you share time with, tell them about Jesus Christ. It is your responsibility. There are people that I might never reach, but you have access to those people. There are people that the best preachers in the world will never reach, but you have access to those people. Tell those people about Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was on earth today, what would he have done? He lived before, so he showed us an example of what he would be doing if he was still alive today. He would be preaching, he would be teaching, and he would be healing the sick. Now, Jesus Christ is alive in us today. So we are representing Jesus Christ today. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I, I don't think I have enough to share with anyone. I don't think I can preach. You don't have to preach. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them what you know about Jesus Christ. That is enough. Go tell the world. It is our responsibility to tell the world. We cannot leave this assignment for pastors alone. The great commission was not to pastors. The great commission was not to evangelists. It was to everyone. And I'm going to prove that. Acts chapter 8. The Bible says that now Saul was consenting to his death. This is talking about Stephen. That Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem. You take note of the words. It says that a great persecution arose against the church that was in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and so which were the people who were not scattered the people who did not go anywhere the people who stayed in jerusalem are the apostles some people have said that the great commission was an instruction to the apostles but watch here in acts chapter 8 when the persecution arose against the church the bible says all the believers were scattered except the apostles so the apostles stayed in jerusalem and the Bible says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and dragging off men and women, committing to prison. Verse 4. The Bible says, Therefore those who scattered went everywhere. Who were the people who scattered? The believers. The apostles did not scatter. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But the people who scattered were the believers. The Bible says they went everywhere preaching. And so the great commission was not to the apostles. It was to everyone who come and believe. Everyone who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. 
It is your responsibility to preach the gospel to other people. The dictionary defines a disciple as somebody who has accepted the doctrine of another person and is helping to propagate that doctrine. And so if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't only accept the doctrine, but you help in propagating the doctrine. That's what makes you a disciple. And the instruction of Jesus Christ was to go and make disciples. So he's not saying go and make converts. Go and make people who just come and believe. But a disciple is you accept. And the, Bible, um, the dictionary I'm talking about is the, is the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It defines a disciple as somebody who accepts the doctrine of another person and helps to propagate that doctrine. And so if you had a disciple of Jesus Christ, according to the definition of the dictionary, you must help in propagating the gospel. You must help in sharing the gospel. The Bible says these people were scattered everywhere and they went about preaching. Remember, these people were running for their lives. So if somebody's running for their lives, when they get to a place, they try, they must hide so that their enemy will not see them. But these people, instead of hiding, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching. And so when they get to a place, as they were running, they were telling people about Jesus Christ. That's why I'm saying that the conditions that we have today is better than the conditions that the people who came before us had. Let's not look at the things in the world that intimidate us or the things in the world that stops us from preaching and telling other people about Jesus Christ. But all of us have an assignment to preach the gospel. And you must understand that when you preach to other people, there is a reward. There is an eternal reward. Don't say that you cannot share. Don't say that you don't know enough to share with other people. Just tell people. Because the master expects you to preach to other people. Jesus Christ has empowered us. Bible says that you will be my witnesses after you receive the Holy Spirit. One of the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is being witnesses of Jesus Christ. Telling other people about Jesus Christ. This morning, I just want to remind you that you must tell your world about Jesus Christ. Go tell. Tell other people that he died for their sins. Tell other people that he resurrected to set them free. Tell other people that one day he's coming back again. He's coming back again. And he's coming because of us and because of them as well. And he can escape the wrath that is to come. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, I'm reading from verse 16 to 20. The Bible says, Then the eleven came. Sorry, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain which Jesus Christ had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. We should know that Jesus Christ is with us. He has instructed us 
That's why I'm saying that this instruction was not only to the apostles. It was to every one of us who come and believe. Every one of us who, who come to faith in Christ Jesus. He instructed us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. All nations means that we don't select the people that we want to talk to. We don't say that this is a nice person. We don't say that this person has a Muslim background and so he will not listen to me. This person has a Hindu background, so he will not listen to what I'm saying. But we have a responsibility to tell everyone, all nations, ethnos, all nations, everyone about Jesus Christ. And a few people cannot do it. We cannot leave this assignment for the evangelist. We cannot leave this assignment for a few pastors. All of us must go everywhere. Our light must shine wherever we are. In our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces, amongst our friends. We tell them about Jesus Christ. In fact, you cannot have all the conversation in the world with a person and you, can, and you avoid talking about Jesus Christ or talking about the Bible. If you are a believer, you must find a way to put the Bible in there. I know corporate America makes it difficult. People get offended. You could even lose your job. But you must trust the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to communicate to other people, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. It is good that we love other people. It is good that we provide the needs of other people as a church. But I believe the greatest assignment, the greatest help we can give to our world is to tell them the gospel. Imagine that we provide all the clothes that people need. Imagine that we are able to provide their needs when they are hungry. And they still go to hell. What have we achieved? The greatest love we can show people is to tell them about Jesus Christ. It is the greatest love. We are not bothering them. We are not worrying them. We are not trying to make them uncomfortable. But we love them and so we must tell them about Jesus Christ. The reason why we are sharing the gospel is not because we want people to know that we, we can read the Bible. It's not because we want people to feel like they are sinners. It's not because we want people to feel like we are better than them. But it's because we love them. Jesus Christ preached out of compassion for the lost. Out of compassion. He had compassion for them. When he saw them, they were going to hell. They were like sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says he had compassion over them. And so he told them the gospel. He preached to them. And he provided for their need as well. If we this is my worry. If we provide the needs of people and we don't preach the gospel to them, we have not done them enough good. We need to preach the gospel to other people. The last text I want to use is in John chapter 21. Jesus Christ, after he resurrected, came to Peter. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said, We are going with you also. 
they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. Imagine when Jesus Christ was alive. He said, Peter, you are, you are going to be, he had instructed Peter to be the next leader of the church. This man who had a great assignment from Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ has been ministering to him for the past three, three years. Peter just threw it out of the window. He said, I'm going back to fishing. And all the others said, I'm going with you. Sometimes after God had invested so much in us, we throw everything away and we still go back to fishing. Like Peter. All the sermons you have heard, all the memory verse that you have read, all the I mean, memory verse that you have memorized, all the scriptures that you know, sometimes you just throw all of them out of the window and go back to fishing. You go back to what you are comfortable with, what you have experience in. You go back to where God picked you from. Peter said, forget about it. I'm going to fishing. After everything, I believe that at this point, Peter was so discouraged. He had betrayed Jesus Christ, even when he vowed that he wasn't going to betray Jesus Christ. And so he said, I'm going back to fishing. And the other apostles followed him. They went together. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood at the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast. And now, they were, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus Christ loved. I like whenever John is writing. <laughs> he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus Christ loved. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus Christ loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in, came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net, sorry, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come, they saw fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. You wonder, you ask yourself, where did Jesus Christ get the fish? Peter said, I'm, going, I'm not going to preach the gospel. I'm just going for fish. But listen, Jesus Christ did not go for fishing, but he had fish for them. The things that we forsake the gospel and we go after, they are all in Christ. He doesn't have to go and get them. He has them. He owns everything. So Peter wanted fish. But when he went into the sea, he, Jesus Christ actually showed him where to get the fish. But by the time he came, Jesus Christ had fish prepared for him. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you caught. Let me just move down and read. So Jesus in verse... So in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these things? That is the question Jesus Christ is asking all of us. Let's put our names there. Do you love him more than these things? Do you love him more than your sleep? Do you love him more than anything in this world that is preventing you from preaching the gospel? 
He asked Peter, do you love me more than these things? Jesus Christ said, the Bible says that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that there is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Do you love God more than these things? Do you love God more than the things that prevent you from living your life for Him? Do you love Him more than the things that prevent you from telling other people about Him? Do you love Jesus Christ? Peter said that I'm not, I'm not going to preach the gospel. I'm just going to be my fisherman and die and one day meet Him. Jesus Christ asked him, do you love me more than these things? Do you love Jesus more than the things of this world? That's a question we always have to ask ourselves. Do we love Him? More than these things. Simon Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Then Jesus Christ said, Feed my lambs. If you love me, how do you demonstrate your love, Peter? Feed my lambs. Tell other people about me. Disciple other people. Lead them to me if you love me. If you love me more than these things, this is how you prove your love. That you tell other people. That you preach the gospel to other people. And he said the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. And the third time, Jesus told Peter. Peter and he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. If you love Jesus Christ, tell other people. Go tell the world. Easter is about the death of Jesus Christ. Tell your world about Jesus. Jesus asked Peter the first time, do you agape me? Peter said, I feel you. You know the word for love? There are, there are different words for love. Jesus asked him the, the second time, Do you agape me? Peter said again, I feel you. And Jesus asked him that the third time, Do you feel me? Now Jesus came to his level. He said, Do you feel me? And Peter, Peter was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He said, Lord, you know all things. What Jesus expects us to do as we are alive today is to tell other people. No matter how difficult it is in our world, we need to tell other people. We need to tell other people about Jesus Christ. There's somebody in your world, there's somebody in your life that you can share the gospel with. Do not deprive that person of hearing about Jesus Christ. Be the voice of Jesus. Be the hands of Jesus. As he has resurrected today, tell someone, tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shall we pray?